thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. This is Up for a Chat with Cindy O'Mara, Karen Smith, and Kim Morrison. up for a chat about the hottest topics that are important to you, inspiring you to awaken the change within. I'm Karen Smith. I'm Kim Morrison. And I'm Cindy O'Meara. And guess what? I'll shut the front door. We have got, are you ready? Take a seat, people. Are you ready to absolutely rip the roof off? We have the amazing... The crowd goes wild. Yes, again, here on Up for a Chat, look out. We've got the amazing Trevor Hindi on the show today. Now, if you haven't heard of Trevor Hindi, you've been hiding underneath a rock. So we are so excited to welcome this absolute phenomena of a human being who has transformed his life. He is obviously going to share his story with us and his background, and that's why we've got him on the show with us today. But One of the things that I'm super, super excited about, and we are definitely going to tell you guys more about this at the end of the show, but Trevor has got a spectacularly transformational program called Bootcamp for the Soul. So we're going to talk to you guys about how you can access that program at the end of this show, because I know that there are going to be some of you that are going to to think to yourselves, I know this is what I need right now. We were just talking to Trevor before we hit the go button and Kimmy and Cindy were both saying at the same time, you know, that just sounds exactly what we need. And, you know, it's, it's so bizarre. And I'm so going to hand over to you in a sec, Trev. Just, 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 I'm just so excited you're on the phone. <laughs> you're on the call, the show, whatever this is. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm blown away by the intro for starters, but it's fantastic. Come stoked to be here. Oh, that's just awesome. It's just awesome. We've got so many questions for you and so much that we'd like to know about you and what's brought you to this um, part of your journey. Um, And I think that there's a whole awakening that you're a part of, especially for our men too. You know, I think it's wonderful to see so many macho men that are kind of leading a bit of a charge to show men that, hey, you know, we can all kind of dive deep and dirty into the soul and dive deep and dirty into ourselves and discover that there's a whole other self inside of there that's been begging to be noticed and be paid attention to. So I'm so grateful and so glad that you do the work that you do. I think you're an absolute legend. Legend. Thanks, Karen. Thank you. No, I'm I'm really looking forward to these questions. (laughs) Where where are we going to go today? I'm really looking forward to it. Be very afraid. (laughs) <laughs> uh, and look, I, I have to say, I'm with three beautiful ladies for this conversation, aren't I? Like, um, I've had a little bit to do with everyone at some stage and uh, just stoked that the four of us are together in one conversation. This is really exciting. Very beautiful. Trevor, can you start by telling us all how beautiful we are? Sorry, I mean, how, um, where you all started. <laughs> no. Can you say that? Can you tell us how beautiful we are? Oh, sorry, I just loved hearing it. Sorry, it was just music to my ears. No, seriously, tell us how, for the people that may have, in Karen's words, been living under a rock, give us a brief insight to how your, how your world began for you and how you became a superstar within Australia and, and where you, how it's led to where you are today. Thanks, Kim. Um, Good question. Uh, Born in Melbourne, 1968, so I'm approaching my 50th birthday next month, uh, August. So um, I actually grew up um, three years of age. My dad decided that he wanted to travel around Australia. Um, He had the ideal job. He had the ideal family, the picket fence. He had the existence that everybody said that he should have and he should be happy with. And he was at the top of the pile and felt like something major was missing. So the way that manifested for him was coming home and saying to, to my mum, Bev, all right, I think we should pack up, put everything in storage and travel around Australia for a couple of years and, you know, work out whether this is the right place for us or whether we should be somewhere else. So my father created this incredible pathway for me because the first thing he did in my, you know, before I was five years old, he had the courage to walk away from everything and actually take the family, my, my five-year-old sister, Di, myself, mum and dad, take us around Australia for a couple of years, um, working, living place to place, um, 
just having these incredible experiences. And, and one of the things he used to do was he'd, we'd be in a caravan driving around and he'd stop on the side of the road and mum and baby be cooking a bit of fish or rabbit, who knows, 1971, you know. And, uh, and dad would take us, Di and I, for a walk off into the bush and he'd walk us and change direction a hundred times and then all of a sudden he'd say, all right, point to which way the caravan is or which way is home. And we'd have to point to which way is home and then lead ourselves all the way back. So he used to get us lost and then get us to help find our way again. And I'm not sure if you're picking up straight away on the symbolism of all that, but <laughs> I, I've been blown away in my life that, that, that I suppose from a neuroscience perspective that that pathway was opened up in my mind because the amount of times that I've got myself lost or gone a bit off track or taken too many turns one way or the other, but I've always been able to find my way back and it's manifested in living, you know, as you said before, a conscious life now um, because, you know, I, I came home, ended up settling on the Gold Coast when I was five years old, um, eight years old, went into the, the Nippers, the Junior Surf Lifesaving Movement, cried my first day, scared of competition, scared of people, everything else. Slowly but surely got used to that, hung in there at about 15 years of age, having never won anything in my life, uh, in tennis match, a, you know, a, a swimming race, a running race, anything, always pretty good at things but could never really win anything. And, uh, and a coach, a world champion coach came to our surf club and uh, he basically set out a program for us and talked to us about goal setting and everything else. And after being kind of, I suppose, bullied a lot or feeling very small and insignificant and like everyone else is in charge and I'm 15 and mum and dad rule the roost at home and they were really good parents, very, very good parents. But then I'm at the club trying to find my way and, you know, the guy that was the best looking with the best abs and seemed to be the funniest, he seemed to call all the shots and he also happened to be the Australian champion. So I put two and two together in the back of my subconscious mind and came up with the winner gets everything. You know, the winner gets the girl, the winner gets the laughs, the winner gets the, the power and the, and the um, respect and everything else. And I proceeded from 16 years of age to probably 26 years of age to pursue winning at all costs because I figured that's how you get everything. And at that you know, throughout that 10 years, I ended up winning more World Ironman Championships and Australian Ironman Championships and Uncle Toby Series races and than anybody had done before and shot to fame and stuff in Australia here and, you know, met Madonna and went on Baywatch and met Michael Jackson and did all sorts of crazy things that you, you do when you're shunted into that, that sort of stratosphere, only to realise that at about 26 years of age, and I, I think of the song... Um, uh, Rocky Mountain High by John Denver. Uh, he was born in the summer of his 27th year, coming home to a place he'd never been before. He left yesterday behind him. You might say he was born again. You might say he found a key to every door. And I literally went through a major awakening at 26 in my 27th year, met a crazy chiropractor, you know, who was all about emotion and, and nutrition and all these things I hadn't thought about other than just training hard, positive mental attitude, but all this other emotional stuff and, dare I say, it's spiritual stuff. And I literally turned everything around working with him and a couple of other people and, and the next year broke all the records that I'd previously broken, had my best year ever, trained less, felt more fulfilled, started restoring love in the relationships that were failing around me and, and I was like, whoa, what is this? and how come I've been to the best physiotherapists and the best psychologists and the best doctors and all these people and none of them could fix all that and one little group of crazy quirky people could help me fix it in in a few meetings and a few little you know seminars where I cried a lot and opened up and <laughs> admitted the truth of a few things you know so I literally um, what I did was at the end of that sporting career not right when I finished but just before I went through that awakening I realized that I had a hole in me that was as big as it was when I was 15 and that was I still felt small, I still felt insecure. All I'd done was covered it up with a false pretense that I was killing it and I was winning in life and I was better than everybody else. And, and when I scratched open that little um, that sore and, uh, and started healing that, I went through a crazy experience of everything that wasn't going right in my life just began to go right without me even trying to fix it. It was like I got myself right. And, uh, and everything else came right after it. So ever since that, I've been just absolutely enamoured, just in love with human potential. 
and what we're capable of. What is a human being really? Who are we? Where is our real existence lie? And how could I change those things so quickly after struggling for so many years just with a couple of little awareness changes? And it sort of led me to the last 20 years of, of um, study studying the human potential, working as a counsellor, as a facilitator, um, one-on-one. I've done somewhere up around 10,000 hours of one-on-one work with people now and, you know, people all around the world and uh, a lot of um, facilitation of seminars and everything else and written my own program, realising that life is one giant boot camp for the soul um, and, you know, have an incredible relationship with my ex-partner that, that, you know, I grew up with and broke up with through this whole phase and a beautiful marriage with my wife, Joe, and we have four kids, um, two with each relationship and we're all just wonderful friends and a big extended family and very much on a journey together. And, um, yeah, in many ways, uh, just living an incredible life now, but based on staying conscious. Wow. Wow. How's that for a summary? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, unbelievable. Um, I just want to just tell me what you said when you said about John Denver. What was the song? I, you know, I love John Denver and I don't think I heard those words. So can you repeat those words again? For sure. It's, it, it, the work that I did many years ago, it um, doesn't exist anymore now, but um, it was very similar work apparently to what he did. So he went into Colorado and went from a sort of a country singer to more of a folk singer when he discovered, how went through these self-awareness journeys. But the song is Rocky Mountain High and it starts off with, um, he was born in the summer of his 27th year, coming home to a place he'd never been before. He left yesterday behind him. You might say he was born again. You might say he found a key to every door. And it was like, goes on, when he first came to the mountains, his life was far away, something like hanging by a song. You know, so it's literally a story about awakening. And it's amazing how many people I've worked with that have woken up at 26 years of age. It's like some sort of a symbolic moment. We're either going to wake up then or we're going to wake up later. <laughs> you either get off, the, get off that bus and onto a different one at that age or you do it a few years, you know, seven years later or something like that. I'm not sure. But, but um, when I first heard his music years later, there's so many incredible songs that he wrote. I was like, wow, this guy just felt like he was singing to me. And then I later learned that he'd done very similar work. So. That's that's just fascinating. Um, I had the opportunity when I was living in Colorado to go to um, Windstar, which was his ranch that he bought. Uh, this was the 80s, by the way. It was a ranch that he'd bought that was the shape of a whale and he was showing people how to grow uh, food at a very high altitude all year round. Um, oh, yeah, and he had this huge um, tent, like it was a huge tent, and he would um, sing on his farm in this tent. So, yeah, yeah. and so when you said this, you know, he was a, an absolute uh, idol of mine. I just loved him. But you know what? I've never listened to his lyrics, so thank you. I'm going to go back and listen to them. Uh, there's some beautiful songs there, absolutely. What was the work that you did? Like, you know, you, you were physically fit, obviously. You were healthy. What work did you do that transformed you at that age? Well, the first thing I did was worked with a chiropractor, Keith, uh, Keith Maitland, down on the coast here, um, who I loved what he did from the sense of uh, he was not scared to challenge me about the emotional stuff and the spiritual stuff. And the very first day we ever had a session together he didn't actually touch my body and he literally lined me up and had a look at me and he said oh your body's telling me that you won't win another world title and it's just sort out a couple of things a couple of priorities it seems that you're pretty toxic you probably got a dairy allergy or maybe some wheat or some other things so you're gonna have to bring some stuff back to him tomorrow to test you and secondly i think you've got some emotional issues there's some suppressed anger that you're sitting on Uh, and I remember he told me that and I was like three times world Ironman champion at this stage and you know and I'd just been sent to fix my hip and my foot and my shoulder and he said that to me and I remember thinking suppressed anger who does this guy think he is angry I'm not angry you know and then a little mental note to myself like oh my goodness hang on I think I want to kill this guy (laughs) you know where did that come from all of a sudden so um yeah literally I he didn't touch me but I drove away so agreed to come back the next day, quite intrigued by this thing that he was talking about, but also secondly, um, wanting to come back and prove him wrong, you know. So I, I drove away and I got a couple of kilometres away 
And all of a sudden I noticed that my shoulder, my hip, my foot, nothing was aching and it had been aching for 10 years, all this stuff. I was constantly icing anti-inflammatories, antibiotics, everything, and nothing was aching. And I literally went, hang on a second, but he didn't do anything to me. And there was a really loud, clear, succinct voice in my head that said, that in, in my, somewhere in my ether that said, he told you the truth. And I went, wow. And I could not believe how good I felt and hadn't even touched me yet. And I, I turned everything around from that year onwards. I started confronting my own stuff and having a look at some of my own patterns of um, suppressing emotion. And, uh, you know, probably was quite passive aggressive really without realizing it at the time, but burying a lot of stuff and then coming out in unhealthy ways. So that started it. Um, I ultimately went on and did a stack of different things, but one that really um, hit home for me was an organization called um, Human Potentials that went through all sorts of stuff many years later, but absolutely saved my life. Like I blew me away, the people I worked with there. And, and they were just people on a journey, you know, same thing, understanding these things and helping with the awareness. And that's, that doesn't exist anymore. It's long, long since gone. But, and the, the gentleman that I worked with there passed away in the late 90s, but had some wonderful, amazing time with him. But that was kind of the rocket ship that really sent me on my way. Um, I think we discussed before we even started today that, that I did some, you know, went along and did Anthony Robbins, uh, went to Dan Millman and had an incredible story with him. I watched him uh, in a seminar one day and thought I'd ask him a question the next day. I thought I'd ask him a question after the seminar and the line was so long, I went, oh, bugger, it doesn't matter. And as I was driving home, I got the invite from a friend to say that she had tickets to Anthony Robbins in Sydney the next day. And I literally drove away going, oh, all right, well, I'll fly down for that. So it was Dan Millman one day and then a day and a, a, day and a bit later, or maybe the next night I was in Anthony Robbins. But I actually um, was standing waiting for my luggage to come off in Sydney the next day. And I was standing there thinking, gee, I really wish I got a chance to ask Dan Millman that question I wanted to ask him. And my bag went past me and I went, oh, and I, I nudged over and this guy reached across me and we banged into each other, crossed arms and stood up and I went, oh, Dan. <laughs> and Dan, Dan Millman was on the same flight and I didn't even see getting his bag off right next to mine. I went, oh, and I, long story short was I said to him, but mate, I come to see you to, you know, ask a question. You said, the line was too long and, you know, and uh, he said, well, far away. Clearly the universe wants your question answered, you know. And, uh, and I, so I introduced myself and everything. And, and the question I asked him was, can you see, you know, you see auras or whatever. Can you see um, someone's purpose, what they're meant to do? And he said, what you're really asking me is what's your purpose? And, you know, um, and he goes, it's interesting because I don't see it more. I, I feel. And he said, when I feel your purpose, I feel like you have a good job to do. And he goes, I don't know who you are, but this was totally meant to be and everything else. He said, what are you doing here? And I said, oh, I'm here to see Anthony Robbins. And he said, um, he goes, oh, Anthony, he's a great mate of mine. Say hi to him for me. You know? And so we literally had 3,000 people in that room. But uh, mm. the long story short was that I... I met him later that night. When I walked up to him, I, he said, hi, Trevor, nice to meet you. And I said, hello, Anthony, by the way, Dan says hi. <laughs> <laughs> so just mm. these beautiful people wow. that were totally out of my realm. I was an athlete and they were all spiritual and consciousness teachers and, and you know, um, success psychology teachers and everything else. And, and I met them and I resonated more with them than all of the other coaches and people that I'd, I'd been around. And I, I knew from that moment on that my purpose was more to do with consciousness than it was with winning. Trevor, can you tell me from a perspective of a, of a man that as you, you mentioned about maybe having suppressed anger, you mentioned about not being awakened and you mentioned that it was around 26, 27 that this occurred. Is this, in your opinion, every man's journey or every person's journey as in that we all have issues or things that we need to work on? And if so, why? And when we do understand what they are, is there a purpose to those moments or those feelings or those expressions because it seems to be that it's through those troubled times or those challenging times that we seem to have the most um, ability to expand our hearts and, and minds to actually receiving the information. Is Why is it men don't seem to, and I'm speaking very genuinely, why is it men don't seem to get this? I mean, you're talking in a way that not many men talk. <laughs> Thanks, Kim. Um, so true, right? Um, Okay, multiple parts to that question, right? Um, I love what Eckhart Tolle says, which is um, 
you can change anything, but first there must be an inner readiness, you know, that uh, definitely a lot of our greatest awakenings have come through suffering, you know, so when we are not getting what we want or we're not getting what we desire, what fulfills us, or in fact we get the opposite, we get disaster and we get tragedy and we get breakup and we get heartbreak, uh, I think for a period of time those things often lead us to go more unconscious you know, that we make another negative decision like, okay, well, I trusted this person. So clearly if you trust someone, you get hurt. So our subconscious mind makes another little booby trap for us. So now we don't trust anyone or we don't open up, you know, I loved or I was vulnerable or I tried too hard. So our subconscious mind is always trying to add to itself and give us another reason to become dark to become negative, to become uh, reactive, even revengeful. Um, you know, so this is, it's like that black wolf, white wolf story, you know, that the, that the Cherokee grandfather says to his grandson, you know, inside of every one of us is a black wolf and a white wolf. And these, you know, black wolf is anger, fear, jealousy, um, revenge, etc., And the, the white wolf is love, um, understanding, you know, proactivity, there's a whole lot of words obviously that we can use for that, but um, clarity and that these two wolves are in a fight to the death inside of us, that only one wolf can win the fight and each man or woman's life is defined by which wolf wins the fight, to which the grandson wisely asks, how do you know which wolf is going to win the fight? And the granddad says, whichever one you feed. You know, so I think what happens is via unconsciousness and for certainly society's unconsciousness so if we grow up in an environment where we don't talk about our feelings if it is all about being tough or it is all about proving a point or winning or acquiring uh, material wealth or gain um, what happens is we're very much entrained by that culture that that community that um, society that paradigm that we're growing up in or family paradigm or whatever it may be um, we're entrained by that to only respond in those ways. So we literally, um, we may suppress our feelings or we may um, rather than go towards the pain and process it, which is, you know, that fight or flight thing, um, rather than go towards the pain and process it, we try and solve it with a new, you know, a new decision or a new set of goals or, or I just won't love anymore or whatever it is. So we're constantly building subconsciously this other version of ourself, which is that black wolf version. It's our shadow. It's the opposite to everything we truly are. It's untrusting, whereas beings, we're actually very trusting. It's closed and, uh, and reactive and uh, almost um, uh, it's constantly thinking about ways to get ahead, you know, whereas beings, we're open and we let everybody else in and we work with people and all this sort of stuff. So this... This introversion of who we are is trying to grow inside of us all the time, that, that shadow self. So I think ultimately from all the people that I've worked with is that people will continue along that vein um, until something comes along to disrupt that programming. Now, it might be that they have a tragedy and then they go, enough is enough, and they immediately, without even knowing it, they ask the universe, they ask God, they ask anyone who's listening help, please help me. You know, they send out the signal that they want change and then messages start turning up in the ways of little articles pop up in front of them or a teacher bumps, you know, someone is a little bit, a spiritual teacher could be the lady um, packing the milk shelves down the road who says something wise, you know, or just says, oh, well, it's a good day, isn't it? So if you can just breathe and enjoy it, you know, like slowly but surely when you ask and when you're ready, the messages start coming to you. So, I do believe that we are conscious co-creators of our own, uh, our own world, our own reality. Um, and what happens is, sorry, we are co-creators of our own reality, but what happens is for most people and in most cases, particularly in our Western world, we're still unconscious co-creators. So if we're proactive and decisive and relatively positive, we're co-creating a pretty decent existence but probably not really conscious that we're doing it. If we're negative and got in a spiral and we've got hurt a few times and hurt, you know, um, damaged and that little pain body inside is built up and we've made a couple of decisions to shut ourselves off, then we're still co-creating our, our um, existence or our experience in life because we come across more situations where the same thing happens and more people not to trust and, you know, the same stuff just keeps manifesting and we're still unconscious to it. So I think there's a difference between negativity and positivity and consciousness. 
you know. So um, I do believe uh, it's different for every person, but there's a certain point in time for most people that they awaken from something. Um, and I say most people because a lot of people um, don't come across anybody who has these conversations or, or don't get exposed to something that disrupts that programming. And they may eventually go to the grave without ever having a thought of being able to change it. And we see at the moment just an absolute raft of suicides and depression and anxiety and self-medication and self-harm. And, you know, I'm, I'm part of an organisation in Australia here called Life Changer. It's the Life Changer Foundation and where our target is over the next 20 years to create a societal shift where we help our kids between 10 and 15 years of age via workshops and a digital platform and via awakening the community therein to create more mentors within the community. Over a 20-year period, we want to create a generation of kids that grow into adults that are more conscious of all these things. And uh, we're only, only 18 months into the, from the idea to launching publicly last Friday week ago. But it's quite fascinating because we're literally going, okay, um, we want to get to these people before all this stuff happens, <laughs> you know, before they go down a path of darkness and everything else. And the statistics for youth is absolutely horrendous and they're just a bit of a window into the adults of the future. So there's a, a significant problem in the world and um, that I say is a consciousness problem. That's just my viewpoint, but I think it's because we're not aware, we're not conscious, we're not slowing down, we're not with each other, we're not attending to each other energetically, emotionally, sensitively, spiritually. It's all dog-eat-dog dog and, and win at all costs. So absolutely it's out there absolutely people can change and anyone who's listening to this is clearly part of that change because we come across the information that we're ready for you know i was having a conversation today with a client of mine about um the rates of suicide and there was um even just another article that i read yesterday now highest rates of suicide are still in our elderly but the statistics in terms of um people worldwide they were saying that 25% of the population is on a medication for um, depression or, Ill, or mental illness or anxiety, which means a quarter of the world is not functioning on all fours when it comes to, you know, because they're medicating themselves to keep them, you know, in a state where they can function. And that's the reported numbers. So if we would even say double that, it would almost say that 50% of us are out of our minds. And, you know, it's, it's strange because it's almost as if, and I'm, and I'm really agreeing with you here, Trevor, it's almost as if the pain and the suffering on a planetary basis has escalated. And there, or, or maybe it's always been that way, but there are far more of us that are far more aware. And I do agree with you wholeheartedly. I believe that it's a consciousness problem and a self-awareness problem because to experience depression or anxiety, there's an aspect of not knowing the self and not understanding the self to the extent of its power and its ability to self-regulate and its ability to bring us back to a sense of oneness where and this was a conversation I was having with my girlfriend, um, getting back to what I originally said, was that because we feel, our eyes tell us that we're separated, we feel so alone in our thought processes and we feel that nobody else thinks the way that we do and to go from zero to suicide in a heartbeat, you know, for a lot of people is an easy um, neurological pathway because they've kind of run that pattern so many times. But if yeah. we were to be conscious and, and it's not even woohoo it's science you know i mean we know this sort of stuff science would say that there's no delineation in, in um, energy between you me the kitchen bench and the lounge chair there's just a different frequency of vibration yes yeah but in fact we're not separate we're all one and any thought of suicide or any thought of anxiety it may not even be our thought it may actually be a thought generated through collective consciousness yet we're carrying it around as if it's ours and then, of course, when you don't understand it, and I think a lot of our men, they, don't almost, they almost don't have language for the way that they feel, much less, you know, they, they can't explain it to themselves, much less to be able to explain it to anybody else. You know, and, and I think that's why I, I'm, I so respect the stand that you're taking, not just for men, but, you know, as an example for men, that 
you know, through consciousness, through awakening, through understanding and self-awareness, um, we can transform our own lives, transcend the pain and the suffering and then be a powerful example for our families and our children and our kids who, I don't know, I, I, I look at our kids and I see the statistics and I just, I cringe for them because they don't, they don't want to be here. You know, and it worries me. So, totally. I, yeah. I, you know, what what powerful words, Karen. You know, I, I um, this is the point in the conversation where, even before what you said from off the back of what Kim asked as well, is this is the mm. point where sadness rises for me because mm. I do very much feel connected to the whole planet and I yeah. feel very much that whatever's happening on our planetary consciousness shift at the moment, it's certainly happening inside of, uh, it's happening for every one of us, but it's definitely happening inside of those that have got a job to do something about it. And so as the sadness rises and, and Kim asked before, is there a purpose to it all? And I believe, you know, from my own experience, and I'm hundred percent sure that the purpose of the negative is to arise the consciousness you know, that from that sadness, I feel motivated to discover what I can do about it. So my own, the purpose of the sadness is to connect me with my purpose, you know, and I feel um, that I begin to wake up whenever I have these conversations, I wake up more and more and more. And even as we talk now, I, you know, more recently I've had a lot of access to, you know, I don't know, it's, a, it's other realms or other communication. I'm picking up on communication all the time. I feel people talking to me all the time. I, you know, my past spiritual teacher who's, who's passed away, I feel him influencing and connecting in with me and, you know, and saying, keep going, Trev, you know. And, and so, and just before he passed away, he told me he was going to pass away and said, oh, it'll be working just the same. I'll be working from the other side, you know. Now, for some people that would sound crazy. For others, they're like, oh, of course, that's normal. Some people are just opening to that idea. But we are connected with all things, past and present, future, all things, you know, everything is, is, uh, is light, you know, uh, is source, basically. I love Eckhart Tolle's thing that our primary purpose is to know ourselves as source. Our secondary purpose, and that's not tomato sauce, obviously, <laughs> that's a, the source of all things. And our secondary purpose is to do something with that, you know. So I feel like the, this horrible stuff that we're going through if anything it's it's propelling me more in my own personal life to talk about it more and connect with it more and make sure that this is where we go all the time so you know as a man it's not really that i'm speaking about it as a man that's what's ha happening but i'm actually speaking about it as a being who's awakening you know i'm actually just waking going up get waking up going I have to talk about this because these are my happiest conversations. When we're sharing these conversations, this is when it's a truly unique chance for us to talk about it unedited and send it out to anyone who wants to listen. You know, this is so beautiful, such a beautiful opportunity where the rest of the time in life, you know, I can't walk down the street talking about this. I can pick up conversations all along the way, but the rest of your life you're still dealing with the ins and outs and the, the details of your life. But every now and then you get an opportunity to connect you know, and the opposite to disconnection is connection, you know, and when people are feeling disconnected, that's because literally no one understands them. And I think about that young child that's alone or the adult or anybody that feels alone and they think that they're alone because they look like they're alone. But the moment they can say to somebody, I'm alone, as soon as somebody hears that, you know, because they can actually say that and someone goes, oh, don't be silly, and they still feel alone. But when someone says, I understand, or I hear you, or I'm with you, it's just a vibrational shift happens and the person goes, oh, thank goodness. And the amount of people that have later come back and told me that I saved their life because they came through the door, I was the last person they saw after seeing this person and that person and they've done a session with me and they later come back and say, you don't realise I was ready to kill myself or whatever it was. And in that conversation, I knew that there was darkness there, but I just say, hey, yeah, it's good to you can change anything and I'm here listening to you and just listening and understanding and acknowledging somebody can change everything because all of the really important stuff is happening on the level, not that we can see, smell or hear, but on the level that we can hear spiritually, that there's a pin drop in, our, you know, in someone else's universe and we hear it. So when we stand for other people and we have these conversations, we literally, by understanding, whatever negative is manifesting with each of us, when someone understands it, 
it, it not only um, it transmutes, you know, the energy transmutes. It's like literally a, a duplication of that energy in the understanding and it transmutes and it's like where there wasn't love, there is now love just by one person listening. So it's, it's quite fascinating that it's happening worldwide and there's this massive consciousness shift going on and there's more darkness than there's ever been or as you say, maybe we're just noticing it more. Maybe it's coming out like the boil being squeezed. We're seeing it more and more and there's just such massive polarities going side to side about left and right and good and bad and everything else. But there's something about the fact that it's waking us up. And the funny thing is, even though it's a massive problem, the change comes from just listening to one other person. And before you listen to one other person, you might have to listen to yourself for a little while. You might have to be there for yourself first and get someone to listen to you you know, to get a little bit of space around you so then you can be there and pass it on and listen to somebody else. And that's how it's actually going to change. I love how you said that, you know, it's from the darkness that, and I'm just kind of putting it in my own words, but it was, you know, from that darkness, it's an invitation to find the light. And from the shadow, it's, it's an invitation for us to sort of step out. And I think that if we can begin to see that, our negative stuff and our and the stuff that brings us down and spits us out of alignment, if we can begin to see that that's necessary so that we would discover what the direct opposite of that was. You know, it's not yes. so that we can experience the sadness and the, and, and the devastation of life, but we can see the devastation and go, okay, okay, I get it. Now why is it there? Like what's its purpose? Which, you know, I think a lot of people are trying to render the ego um, or trying to destroy the ego in the spiritual realms, you know, some of the more, the more conscious realms. But I, don't, I honestly don't think that we can do that. It's kind of like trying to cut off your hand. I think it's a part of who we are. It's not all that we are. But when we find ourselves enveloped in the darkness of it, if we can say, okay, well, what's the light? What's the direct opposite of this feeling? And let me reach for that because that's where my greatest expansion is going to come from. What does that look like? And it turns your face into a completely different direction and opens <laughs> up a whole new set of questions, don't you think? Oh my goodness! I, you, you're just firing me off here. Like my, <laughs> probably, probably my, you know, my secret biggest passion, which is going to sound funny, but is the enabling, uh, the empowering of the sacred feminine. I, I believe that is where the change is going to come on the whole planet, both within our women and within our men. You know, so another simpler way of saying it is the yin, the yin quality of the yin and yang. You know, that those two parts of consciousness. That, which is not really two parts when you get into it, but what we're going through. But the sacred feminine is literally the part of us that actually feels and experiences everything fully, feels it, embodies it, and knows it. We don't see it off in the future and we don't make decisions. The sacred feminine is the part of us that it's like circular. It's not straight lines. It's circular. It gives hugs. It holds everybody together. It's the heart. It's the part that actually leads to true consciousness. So if I was to draw a scale, a vertical scale, and said it's the consciousness scale and we're starting halfway up that consciousness scale, we're all alive having this conversation here, so we're somewhere up the consciousness scale. Um, when we start to go up to the next notch, one higher, more conscious, normally what has to happen is we have to actually drop down almost it's like dropping down a notch to get more understanding for what it is we're trying to leave behind like you, you make a goal and try and leave behind then you go through suffering and they say in buddhism the first step to enlightenment is always suffering interesting that the word is always in there in other words enlightening keeps happening mm. um but we basically have to go down a notch usually or drop back to the reality of where we're vibrationally caught. So what is that grudge that I'm holding onto or that past trauma that I've not been able to let go of? And no matter how positive or proactive I've been, I just haven't healed this wound from deep down where I've given up on humanity <laughs> or given up on men or women or whatever it is. So often to move up to the next level, we have to go back down to where we think we no longer are and actually clear it at a real level. We have to open our heart. We have to clear that wound. We have to be available and open like the feminine, available and welcoming. You can come in now. And when we go down to that, what happens is we get the compassion and the empathy for everybody else that's actually had the same experience. So when you then travel upwards, you travel upwards, you, and usually what happens is the universe presents you with an opportunity to be there for somebody else with that compassion and empathy, and that completes the cycle. It's like a triangle that's sliding up a scale, and that is 
I want to go up here, but first I have to go down there and realize I'm still carrying a wound. I have to experience that wound and get someone to help me release it or go through it, embody it, feel it fully and heal that one. Then universe offers, you know, across the scale at the bottom of the triangle, somebody else for me to actually connect with and help. And they just turn up in the street and they tell you about the same problem. You go, oh, and you help them. And then you shift. So you've had the problem. You've cleared it and you've helped someone else. So you're literally practicing mastery around a, a vibratory level of consciousness. But the crazy thing is, is that as you become more aware in the vertical element of that thing that I've just spoken about, you see things more clearly. You see how everyone's doing the same thing. But you see you have compassion. You realise that the person who's stopping you is actually just going through something that you need to be there for. You know, so rather than us becoming aloof and above and we're like some, you know, we're conscious beings and those unconscious beings are terrible and everything else, it's actually, it's quite the opposite. It's literally like people giving, you know, someone coming to you with their stuff or with their issues or showing up on your life journey right in front of you. Some of your gifts that show up are just anything but a joy to be around. Some of the other gifts in our life journey are absolute pains in the ass. <laughs> you know, they struggle with you, they battle with you every step of the way until you finally get that they're they're showing you a part of your old reflection or your current reflection or something you need to learn how to be there for. And as soon as you stop resisting that relationship and you move in and be with that person, the game drops away and they open up and let you in and everything changes, which is once again, the opening is via the sacred feminine, by us being there with love, understanding, acknowledgement for, for one other person. And it's usually that person that keeps popping up in our space. But, that you know, so not only is the stuff there to wake us up, but also the people in the stuff. Because, you know, I've just been on Fiji for a week, in Fiji on an island in, in Fiji for a week came back and saw my beautiful chiropractor friend Keith today to get an adjustment. He's like, oh, you're out of whack. And he said, isn't that funny? You go over to an island paradise, but you still can't escape the stuff, <laughs> you know, <laughs> because it's literally follows around everywhere. And really the biggest awakenings come from being there for the people in front of us um, as opposed to, you know, leaving it all behind. It's actually being there for it. So you transmute it once and for all. Trevor, I can't imagine you and Joe hopping into bed at night and just rolling over and saying, night, night. Um, <laughs> what sort of conversations do you two have? <laughs> well, well uh, that's, uh, I'm picturing that straight away. I'm, um, you know, they're all day conversations, so they happen all around the place. So I, I travel and, you know, she has a, a program called the Sacred Sister Project. So she goes into schools and works with teenage girls and their mums to to. Um, honor that sacred feminine that you know that beautiful sacred element of of the feminine that we have to bring into the world to heal the world because that was the very thing that was squashed and a bit of a side step but I'll come back to Joe in a second and bedtime but um, but you know many many years ago it was a very real thing that occurred on this planet that all of the pagan wonderful sorceress you know supposedly witchy women were all actually burnt at the stake and, you know, the powers to be at the time felt that they needed to purge these women that were actually often just working with nature and the cycles and all this sort of stuff. And that was, it was voodoo and witchcraft and everything else. And that whole area of, of spirituality and connectedness and, and sacred feminine was actually almost wiped out. It was certainly a vibration was created that if you're going to start talking about this stuff, you better be ready, you know, that you could be taken out at any moment. Like it's, it sort of sits still in our ether. So I think it's, we're still coming through those phases for a, a, a beautiful, powerful woman to be able to speak up um, without becoming too masculine and without having to, you know, become like a man to speak up, but being able to speak up with their heart open and being, you know, strong and powerful but also open and loving. I think that's the ultimate achievement. And uh, I know that's why men have to wake up because we have to be um, brothers, you know, we have to be partners and brothers and, and, you know, soul brothers to be able to say, all right, sisters, you know, wake up and speak your truth because you see stuff that not everybody sees and you need to speak that. So when my wife, Joe and I, you know, go to bed every night, it's very often um, when we're around together because we're often in different states or, or whatever it may be, but it's very much about how was the day and, and how are you going and how did you go with that and oh, I challenge with this and I had a challenge with that and, it's just being open to each other, you know. There's no wound festers for very long in, in a conscious relationship because everything gets spoken about and opened up and, and you realise, you know, she's my best friend, 
You know, she's literally, my, my kids are amazing. And, you know, even Jack, um, Jackie, my ex-partner, she's just a beautiful, amazing best friend as well. But Jo is, is like, she's just been through everything with me. And, and while I've been healing myself and, and, and occasionally messed up again, she's been there and she's forgiven me through so many layers and levels that, you know, she has a relationship with a relatively conscious man who loves her and adores her. And, and she's created that by standing by me while I worked out who I really was, you know. So it's quite fascinating that we have the opportunity, but we've got to stick with it and we've got to bring the best parts out in each other. And ultimately the, the, uh, the pot of gold is at the end of the rainbow. You know, so many couples um, don't get the opportunity to to have such conversations and there could be a number of our listeners tuning into this podcast. Um, maybe their husbands or partners are in the car and there's no accident that they've put this on for them to, for them to hear you. But what would you say, what would your advice be to a woman who has a beautiful husband or partner? They, they adore them, but they don't feel like they're they're quite open or fully expanded or even open to the possibility of, of a greater consciousness. Is it just to have mm. patience or what would your advice be to that person listening? Oh, it's close to that, but maybe a little bit more powerful. I would say you are the most beautiful and incredible creator in your own right. You do not need um, your partner to do the travel, the journey with you. You do not actually need anything because you are a creator in your own right when you can embrace that step-by-step step more and more, they will have no choice but to come with you <laughs> because the energy is so strong and powerful. And I think every relationship wakes up in a different order. Sometimes, a bit more rarely, the men wake up for the women. More often than not, the women wake up in this day and age before the men. There's no doubt about it that the women are closer to awakening than most men. And so often for the women, which is, isn't that funny, it's so back to front because on the planet, the men, and we know this is not true, but the men are, are, are um, um, spouses having all the power, you know, and, and they're the leaders of the, no, it's not, not the case. In most cases, what the, the information and the, the intuition and the power that the women are sitting on is exactly what the world needs. But the crazy thing is the challenge for the women is to forgive their men as well they're actually big enough to be able to do it. The men aren't quite most, in most cases, big enough to forgive. You know, the women need to do the forgiving because it's actually they've got the power. Not forgiving for like a doormat, not forgiving like our, I'll let you get away with anything, standing up for what they really want, but also knowing, well, you may not know right now as a man who you really are. You know, so I've got this wonderful analogy that just came to me in the middle of a session one day when I was trying to explain this to a man. And it was... You know, he's a, it was a conscious man waking up and it is, it's the bed sheet analogy. And that is if we, if we suspended a bed sheet and looked at this bed sheet, it looks like one big sheet. But if you look at it really closely, it's a whole lot of cotton fibres wound together to create this incredible bed sheet. And they're all wound so tight that it looks like one piece of fabric. So literally the bed sheet is like our life and we are one of those fibers that runs right through the middle of that bed sheet. And when we can actually grab and just grab that bed sheet in the center with our fingers and grab it and lift up the center of the bed sheet, what happens is the whole bed sheet starts to come up from the center outwards. Even if it's tucked into the edge of the bed, if you pull it hard enough for long enough, it untucks itself and it starts to come out. But the moment you grab it and start to lift it up, the closest fibers to you begin to lift as well. So our life is a lot like that because your family, your husband, you know, your wife, whoever's listening to this, your kids, your immediate community, they're like all those pieces of cotton in your bed sheet. The only thing you really have to do to make sure you continue is make sure that you have the team around you to keep lifting up the centre of your bed sheet because no matter what happens, occasionally it's going to be tucked in tight and you're going to pull it and your fingers are going to slip off and you have to grab it again and again and again. Sometimes it's so tight you can hardly even grab it. But you just need to keep lifting and the, the further it comes up, they will follow you up. We are all co-creators and if we can actually understand and go through the practice of understanding who we are and what is this thought in my head and where does that come from and does that really feel like me and it feels revengeful or it feels angry or it feels depressed, nothing that feels negative and takes us down is actually the truth of who we are. The old saying, know the truth and the truth shall set you free. Any thought that doesn't actually bring you up tone and energy is not actually the truth. I can't do it is not actually the truth if it actually makes you go down so 
All we really have to do is keep challenging ourselves, whether we're male or female, and say, no, I have everything I need inside of me. And if I keep clearing myself and reach out to the right people, everything I also need will show up either further inside of me or through other people that might show up and away you go. But ultimately, um, the right people will follow you along the journey. I know there is a tricky thing for some people that they will go through a stage where they may leave behind a relationship or they may leave behind some friendships. I always prefer to look at it that, that the relationship will change form because if you keep going, you will always cycle back and pick up that person at some stage, you know, whether it's spiritually, emotionally, energetically, physically. But you have to be willing to go without anyone else going with you and continue that journey. And when you are, you'll find the other people that are willing to do the same and almost a new little family or community gathers around you and you get some strength from that community. Um, Ultimately, but though, you don't want to be leaning on that community and making using that community to make everybody else wrong because that's when it goes astray as well. But, but it's using the connection with other like-minded people to keep clearing yourself to realise you are a conscious co-creator. And when you can forgive somebody else, they will follow you. And I guess it's a case of just accepting too that I love the way Dr. Brian Weiss talks about this and that sometimes it's time for the souls to take different classes. Yes. In other words, you know, sometimes that, that journey with that person in this life has come to an end and that's okay. So it's not like you say about blaming. Can you tell me as a dad what this consciousness has done for you as a parent and where would you like to think your children will take this information? <sighs> Really good question. Um, and on that last, just on the last little bit, I, I think you know when you're conscious because there's an element of sadness or heart hurting when you do have to leave somebody behind or you do have to take different classes. It's just part of the process of opening and continuing and ultimately it all works itself out. But if you're not feeling anything when you do it, it's normally a sign that you're hiding something. <laughs> you know, oh, bugger, I'm leaving that person behind. But, but the you know, when the heart and compassion goes out to the person, even if they've been nasty and negative, you know you're on the right track because you're, you're healing along the way. Yeah. But my kids, um, you know, I have four beautiful children. Christelle is 30, child, you know. <laughs> um, Jackie and I had Chrissy when I was 19, when she was 18. Um, and then TJ is 23. Um Bailey is 20 and Jali is 15. So all sorts of different ages, girl, boy, boy, girl. So I feel like I was softened up to start with, toughened up in the middle and then softened up at the finish. But my two boys are so sensitive. They're so beautiful and sensitive and, and they're so connected. I suppose the more conscious I became or the more aware I became, the more I realised there's a lot of stuff that I didn't know and the more I realised that some people could see things that I couldn't see. And I certainly knew that my kids were trying to tell me things that they could see from their perspective that I couldn't see. So from progressively from child to child that I realised, and Charlie's probably can thank us because, thank the other three because we finally awoken for her. <laughs> but, um, but I realised that they have, they, can, they have all their own answers and they can see everything. So the whole time when they want to talk to us about something, we say, what is it? What do you see? How do you see it? What do you feel? You know, and I'm not just saying that to process them. I'm honestly wanting to know, how do you, what do you think about that? You know, and so now, from 15 to 30 years old, those four children, they have, and they have done for since Charlie was two years of age, we have adult conversations, have done all that whole time from when they were 15 to zero, adult conversations constantly the whole time. Not, not about adult things that they don't need to know about or need to be talking about, but just... You know, what do you think is going on? So we'll leave a, a, you know, a family dinner or we'll leave a, a function somewhere. And then Jali, my 15-year-old, she's been doing this for years, will get in the car and then give us a debrief of what she felt was going on in the room. You know, oh, Dad, I, I thought there was this so-and-so and this was this person, but then that person came up and said this and that really helped the situation and so-and-so's really hanging on to something, you know. So they they've all become quite conscious and aware in their own right they've all made some mistakes and they're all on their own journey they're all very different they've all got different passions you know one is a young businesswoman one is a, a budding young Ironman won his first you know open professional race last year and only been doing it for a few years after avoiding it at all costs um one's an actor and the other one you know Charlie, the youngest one is is working herself out and the other day she came home and said i think i might like to study xenoarchaeology there's only one university in the world that does it. It's in Scotland and it's actually about ancient artefacts from other planets that are actually on this planet. 
<laughs> you know, and I think it'd be fascinating. And for the first time, I saw her feel really engaged about studying something. I'm like, wow, you know, pursue that, honey, even if it leads you to something else, because you look so, and you, you know, you look so bright when you talk about it. But one of the things that I, I say to them all the time, and that they certainly seem to be doing, is that in life, when you're positive and proactive, and you've got a passion and you're following it. Um, there's a temptation to want to be so good at that that you're the best, be so good at it that you may be even better than everybody else and that you dominate it and you win at it. And I say to them all the time, you know, winning in that way doesn't lead to anything. It's actually not about domination. It's about shining. You know, um, it's about pursuing what you do to the point where it shines and shines for others, not where you win and you've claimed all the prizes and you own it all for yourself. So they all seem to be demonstrating that at this moment, even though they're all struggling at different times and go through challenges. But we sit around the dinner table every single birthday, the whole extended family comes together and the person that's birthday, everybody else, we something a funny story about me with you and something what I really love about you. And we go around the whole table, take a couple of hours and every birthday in our family, it's my mum, my sister, my dad, my kids, you know, whoever it is, my, my little nephews, um, they, we take the time to actually celebrate their arrival every single year and who they really are. And that invariably takes a couple of hours and everyone cries their eyes out, laughs their head off and everything else. But then throughout the year, we have dinner, dinner table discussions. Every time we can, we sit down and say, no, we just, you know, and the kids will start it. They'll say, I think it's time we had a conversation about what was the two best things that happened to you today. Or if everyone's a bit grumpy, it's like, okay, who wants to get off there? Everyone's got to get off their chest. One thing that's really pissed them off in the last couple of weeks, you know. So it's just, I just think it's about being a family and sharing and, and being conscious and everything else. And, and the kids um, end up being leaders in their community themselves and they trust their own intuition. They trust their own that we've taught them to actually believe in themselves don't believe in me believe in you you know and uh, and uh slowly but surely it seems to be having them grow up to be four amazing young humans well that was an amazing answer miss kimmy <laughs> very good question yeah it was excellent so where to from here trevor Yes. Where to from yeah. here? Like you just sound like you have um, just created a phenomenal life purpose. And for many athletes, uh, they find themselves very lost after their heydays. Uh, and it just sounds like after your heyday, you just went from strength to strength. So mm-hmm. turning 50, where to from here? Uh, look. Thanks. Good question. I, I'm so moved by what I feel every single day. So I'm, I'm meeting these incredible people and I'm traveling the world and I'm humbled every day by the people I meet and, and what I'm discovering and, and what they're discovering and sharing with me. And I think that, you know, that law of attraction happens when you really embrace your purpose and follow your bliss, you know, um, in Sir Joseph Campbell's words, you, you, you literally you find what you're looking for constantly. You always find what you're looking for, but it's much more joyous when you're following your bliss. <laughs> um, you don't always get what you want, but you get what you need, you know. But, um, you know, Life Changer Foundation, trying to create a societal shift, that's a, a big body of work that I'm working on at the moment, working from community to community and coming to a place near you, you know. Um, I'm president of Surface Paradise Surf Life Seven Club, which was the club I grew up with from an eight-year, you know, that I shared a little bit at the start, and I'm trying to give back to that community. And that has been really, really challenging because that's trying, that's like trying to take your own family through a personal development seminar because they're, I'm trying to help shift culture and uh, shift an awakening through a club of people, you know, several hundred members that turn up for all sorts of different reasons. And they... You know, they literally come along just for some fun or some lightness or some of them are avoiding family issues at home or they're avoiding a broken this or a broken that and some of their baggage follows in, follows them in the door. So they do a wonderful job but they also start to actually act the same way they do back in the negative relationship they just come from. So it's an incredible experience of being a volunteer in an organisation helping make a shift 
but I can't make anyone change, you know. I'm literally, literally got to listen and understand and be patient and everything. And it's almost like doing penance for almost all the things that I went through for those years where I felt like I was on top of the world, but really I was dominating and I was sucking some of the oxygen, you know. So I'm really actually, that's kind of been healing me a lot. It's been very challenging and healing me a lot. Ultimately, the boot camp for the soul program that I have online, um, which is just, you know, soulbootcamp.trevorhendy.com. It's 12 weeks of emails that come in six days a week, morning and night. You can go onto your own page on the website and do the processes and follow through. I get amazing. I've never advertised it or promoted it. I get amazing feedback and testimonials from it. I don't want to make it into a big thing. I just want to make it for people that are ready for it. But everybody who does it is is blown away and gets a life change out of it, quite a life shift. And I had a lady just email me today. She's just done it for the second time and said, I can't believe I got as much out of it as I did the first time. Um, you know, so that's that's a really cool thing that I like to, while I've been building Life Changer in the last 18 months, I haven't updated my website. I haven't put videos on. I haven't put anything on YouTube and anything else because I love to share messages and things that I'm learning but they haven't been out there because I've literally been putting this other stuff into the community. But the, the final piece is I'm, I'm traveling the world with my family. We had a goal we set five years ago to travel the world as a family, helping people. And uh, literally I just got invited to, you know, LA um, last week um, to actually go and do some work with some major organizations over there. And I've done some work in LA and New York before I, I, do wellness weeks and stuff over in Fiji. I take ocean swim weeks out on Lord Howe Island, which is just the best week of your life out there. No mobile phones. You know, just just really trying to live a life of demonstration of what we're, who we are, what we're capable of, but also um, help other people to connect with that little spark in them and to follow that all the way through. And I just feel like the, the awakening that's supposed to be happening on the planet is happening through each and every one of us at whatever pace it's happening. And it's just our job to actually to put it into play and to be honest and vulnerable along the way and fail when we need to fail, but ultimately um, to play our part in, in creating a shift and, and becoming more conscious co-creators. Uh, I just want you, you know, you talked about you, you can't change anybody. I want you to know that you are the example of change and people will follow with that example of change. So, um, Trevor, I want to thank you um, for that you have become conscious and all that you are doing. Uh, I have been, uh, we do have a little feed where um, we have a little bit of a conversation and Kimmy would like everybody to know that she was with you at Pete yes. Evans' wedding. <laughs> ah, yes, yes. Yeah. Yes, that's right. Oh, don't yes. mind to name drop. No. Go for it, go for it, Kim. Go I, for it. I think Trev and I, Trev and I actually had a little moment, thank you, as we walked to see the bees. Nice. We actually had a very little teary moment as the beautiful that came up the aisle, didn't we, Trev? Yeah, oh, absolutely. I that was a most beautiful day for one of our beloved souls in, on, in this country in particular who's spoken uh, his truth and a lot of our truth and absolutely copped it, mm. you know, and to be there for him in a very, very intimate little setting, you know, um, Joe, myself, Kim, etc. there weren't many other people there. Um, in fact, there was only us at the very ceremony, wasn't there? Yeah. <laughs> but, um, but because it literally... This is a man, Pete Evans, that I just love and adore. He's like a, a, absolutely a brother to me. But just to know that there's people out there living their truth and it's really challenging sometimes to live your truth. Some people, the truth they have to tell is not a truth that other people want to hear. And, you know, there's all layers to it and we can debate it and all those sort of things. But, um, but talk about a, an incredibly beautiful change agent and to be for me to be his best man and to be there for him that moment to take that step. Um, I love him and adore him. And yes, Kim and I, um, we've both felt the gravity of that moment, didn't we? Mm. <laughs> Precious. Thank you, darling. <laughs> and and uh, by the way, you did a wonderful job too. You're incredible. On the day. I'll say that again. No, I'm only kidding. <laughs> no, I'm only, it was beautiful. It was such an honour and it was such a treat to be there together. And I think on behalf of the three of us, we had Pete on the show just a couple of weeks ago and I you will love what he had to say. I think you both have been incredible um, men and, and beautiful change agents together. And I just want to say thank you on behalf of us as well. Uh, no, thank you. Much appreciated. I, 
couldn't we talk about like this sort of stuff all day and every day and just don't you just want to get stadiums full of people and everybody talk you know like it's just just wake up we just need to wake up because all the love and everything we need inside of us and it's such an incredible feeling to feel it sitting there but also to feel a lot of the pain that people are going through because it's it's squashed behind so many things so i think it's up to us to keep going and and uh friendships like even the four of us on this conversation it, it changes the world and i'm incredibly grateful Love you, Trevor. Beautiful. Love you, girls, too. Thank you. Thank you for being a part of today's show, Trevor. You've been absolutely enlightening, enlivening, and inspiring. And for all of our listeners, you know, get as many people as you possibly can in your world to listen to this podcast because this is one of those podcasts where, you know, we've kind of gone beyond the women sitting around having a chat that we sometimes get feedback from our guys saying it gets too much. (laughs) And this is one of those podcasts where I don't believe that's too much. I think it's just right. So thank you, Trevor, for being a part of that and, and, you know, really supporting up for a chat in um, changing the world and creating a ripple effect. So thank thank you. you. Good to be with you again too, Karen. Oh, yeah. um, Yeah, fantastic. (laughs) So for all of our listeners, if you are interested in following Trevor um, and knowing more about his boot camp for the soul, like I promised you, we would let you know. The website again, Trev? Uh, Soulbootcamp.trevorhendy.com. Done. And now if you guys um, forget that uh, link, it's going to be in the show notes. So you can get hold of this show and all of the details about this show at all the w's.facebook.com forward slash up for a chat. And you can also get all of the show notes at all the w's.thewellnesscouch.com forward slash up for a chat and you can find all the details there in case you're on the run listening to this podcast when you get back home make sure that you check online and go and check out trevor for yourself and for your family so hopefully you guys have loved today's podcast as much as we have enjoyed bringing it to you and we are going to look so forward to talking with you guys next week right here on up for a chat when we get to become part of the ripple effect that's changing the world and we're going to see you on the ride Bye for now, everybody. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.